Peter Navarro had court and good news. He had lawyers, two of them, which makes me very happy. I was very nervous for Mr. Navarro. We've been following this case ever since he got arrested at the airport. Elderly gentleman, older in age, and he got handcuffed and he was apparently denied his access to counsel, according to him. Right at the airport, FBI, of course, came crashing down upon him right before the January 6th select committees got really underway. And he had court. He had an arraignment. And that means he saw the federal judge, he entered pleas of not guilty, and he had lawyers there. He had not had lawyers up until this court date. And so we're going to go through exactly what happened and actually take a look at the proceedings. We're going to see how it unfolded on Twitter. Take a look at what Mr. Navarro's lawyers had to say after the proceeding took place, and we'll unpack all of it. Remember that we typically follow along at j6mindmap.com. This mind map is available, but Peter Navarro is on this mind map, and he is somebody who has been charged with a process crime for not complying with the January 6th select committee. He's one of the two indictments that we have been following. The other, of course, is Steve Bannon. And so he got indicted and arrested some time ago. The U.S. government is sort of uh, taking this under its care. The DOJ, the prosecutor's office, is running with this contempt charge that the January 6th Select Committee sent over to them because he didn't show up and testify. He didn't show up and bring them any documents. And so they charged him with crimes for that. And we've been following along, but we knew his court date was on 6-17 at 10 a.m. So let's, of course, see what happened. We check over on the court docket. This is the federal court docket. We don't get a lot of detail from this, so we're going to have to actually check out Twitter. But the minute entry comes from the courtroom, and it's in front of Judge Maida. It says, the arraignment was held, plea of not guilty entered as the counts one and two, which of course is to be expected. Very standard. Almost every criminal defendant says not guilty at this stage. You always have the chance to change your guilty plea later down the line. But of course, uh, Navarro is very unlikely to do that. But counts one and two, those were the two counts. One, not showing up to testify. Number two, not bringing the documents for the January 6th Select Committee. Rule 12 motions, we'll take a look at those very briefly. Those are due by August 17th. Well, let's just take a look at those now, just so we understand what those are. We always talk about uh, preliminary motions, motions to dismiss, motions to preclude evidence, motions in limine, blah, 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 right? We want to have a trial that is functional, that is not interrupted with a bunch of, you know, objections and objections. And I didn't know about this and you didn't disclose that to me. And I thought that should be just, you want to sort of flesh all that out before the trial starts. Despite what Hollywood wants you to believe, nobody else, you know, really pulls out the smoking gun in the court of law. There are times when somebody says something, you go, what? What? And, you know, it's sort of unexpected. But most of the time, you know, this is sort of hashed out beforehand. And so rule 12 over from Cornell, right? These are the pre-trial motions. And so this is really what we spent a lot of time covering, you know, the nuts and bolts on this channel. We really unpack all of this. We've been following some of these motions in the Steve Bannon case. So the judge is just setting the deadlines for this. I think even actually today I published a video on the government's, they're filing motions in limine now and Bannon just lost his motion to dismiss because the judge typically, you know, which is pretty standard in criminal cases, they you almost always lose your motion to dismiss this early in the case. The judge wants the case to go forward. So the jurors are the people who are dispositive of the case, not the judge with a motion to dismiss. All right, so you can see here, this is what we're looking at, right? Like improper venue, pre-indictment delay, saying they waited too long to indict somebody, saying there's lack of specificity in the indictment. We've got, you know, all sorts of issues. And what happens if your rulings, or I'm sorry, your motions are submitted after the deadline? The judge 
may say it's untimely. The motion is untimely. It means you don't get to bring it. So very important deadlines and you want to pay close attention to those. So it's saying that here, Navarro, your motions and, uh, and the prosecutor's motions are due by the 17th. Any replies to those? So the way that this works, right, is you sort of do the sandwich. So one side files, the other side re replies, and then the, the other side responds to that. And you sort of layer the conversationally on top. The moving party gets the last word. And so those are now set. We've got deadlines 817, replies 9 and 19, and then the actual hearing by 923. Those are going to take place so later this year in September. Jury trials now scheduled for November 17th. It's going to be after the election, right? We're going to have elections in 2022 for the midterms. And so the balance of power in Congress might change pretty quickly there in November, meaning that the actual balance of power changes the following year in January. And if they change seats and the Republicans become in charge, then that may mean that the fake January 6th select committee is no longer in charge or controlled by the Democrats. And that means that maybe a lot of this becomes moot. If it's all disbanded, there is no outstanding subpoenas. All these things are quashed now. Okay, Bannon and Navarro are no longer in a continuing violation of the law because the Republicans have quashed their subpoenas. I don't know. Steve Bannon doesn't seem too worried about it, but we'll follow it along, of course. They reset another status conference about 30 days from today, July 15th, 10 a.m. Of course, he is still released on his own recognizance. Now, we saw that he's got two lawyers here who now join the team. And if you've been following along on our live show, which I hope you do, if you're watching this sort of a, not sort of a, as a one-off, I hope you do subscribe. We go live several days during the week and we sort of cover the news in real time. And we've been spending time talking about the January 6th saga, of course. And so this is a lot of material here. We've really been piecing together all the different arguments and you can follow along at j6mindmap.com. Join our communities to carry on the conversation at watchingthewatchers.locals.com or support our work by becoming a member on YouTube. We've got some additional content where we carry on the conversation in between the shows, in between the videos. We have a good time, but there's a lot here, obviously. And so Navarro, as we've been following this, has not had a lawyer. The judge has scolded him for a little bit. And now he's got two lawyers. And so I'm very, very happy about this. You can see John P. Rowley is here. And then we also have... John S. Irving, who's also in the house. So congratulations. Peter's got two lawyers now and they were actually uh, speaking. And so we'll pull up a clip from them after the hearing. That was Navarro. That's another photograph of Navarro. You call sort of what he looks like. We have a clip of Navarro and his lawyers after the court proceeding. We'll come back to that. But before we do, I want to take a look at what actually happened in the court proceeding. And so we're going to go here to Sarah N. Lynch Sarah's is amazing. She does very good work, you know, sort of reporting on a lot of these stories and these uh, these details. She's over for Reuters. That's who she is. U.S. Justice Department, Reuters in D.C., and she's on Signal. And of course, I recommend you follow her if you're interested in this type of topic. But she said, good morning. She was there in court or observing court with Peter Navarro and the U.S. prosecutors and says, good morning from the federal courthouse in D.C. where ex-Trump advisor Peter Navarro is due to be arraigned on those counts of contempt of Congress. The hearing is started June 17th, she says, and ex-Trump advisor Navarro pleads not guilty to contempt of Congress and those charges, which is obvious, right? Because he's not going to plead guilty. This is necessary. A lot of the time when we're representing people 
at my law firm, helping good people charged with crimes in the state of Arizona. Link for free case evaluations down in the description below. Of course, when we're working with people, they have a lot of questions about this. Well, what, you know, am I pleading not guilty? What if I did it? What if I want to negotiate this down? And you can change your plea later. And in fact, that's what the proceeding is called later, a change of plea. You can change it from not guilty to guilty. But if you start the case pleading guilty, then you can't get discovery and you can't investigate your case and schedule interviews and do all those things. So you have to plead not guilty to start. And But a lot of the time the media will come out and they'll say, he pled not guilty. Oh my gosh. What a shocking thing. He went in there and he said, not guilty, your honor. And I'm going, oh my gosh. Can you believe that? It's just a headline, but it's very procedural. And so, you know, I'm not saying that Sarah did that, but you know, a lot of people do. She says, there's an audio problem in the media room. We can't hear all the proceedings. Oh, that's very convenient, isn't it? Hmm. We missed what part of what was said. Navarro's lawyer is asking to avoid setting a trial date for now. Navarro's attorney said they filed a motion to dismiss his civil case last night without prejudice. Interesting. And remember, Navarro was referencing that civil case a lot in his pretrial motions. He was actually sending letters to the judge and to the bailiff and saying, Your Honor, you know, help me out here. I just filed a lawsuit in another court of law. Now they're prosecuting me. This seems like it might be retaliatory. This seems like it might be malicious prosecution. They're angry with me for what I've done. And the defense attorney just said, all right, listen, we're going to dismiss that. We're just going to focus on this one right now. Judge Maida is saying the issues in the civil case can all be litigated in this case, right? And that's sort of what Navarro was saying. He said, I filed a lawsuit proactively to deal with a lot of this and saying that the judge should allow him to you know, have continuances and to postpone this while that's being resolved, saying that sort of we got to put the cart or the horse the cart before the horse, right? You can't be doing that. Otherwise, things are going to get out of turn. But the criminal case, because it's a lot more serious, is going to take precedence over the civil case, which was something filed by Navarro. And so they're going to focus their efforts on the criminal case, which makes sense. Navarro's attorney says he thinks he will need six weeks, weeks before filing motions. And they also want to study the legal issue in Steve Bannon's case, which is very similar. And that's why we both have them at J6 Mind Map under the process crimes category. Sarah Lynch says uh, from judge saying, I'll be candid with you. My schedules, it's a mess, which is, you know, not unusual. And here the judge says, the prosecutor says that the US government DOJ, they says delaying the trial until 2023 is completely unwarranted. And Navarro's book tour cannot be a reason for delay. And we didn't hear some of that. So we must have sort of been insert. We must have missed that, right? A book tour came up somewhere. Hmm. Those dang audio problems. And so the prosecution, right? They don't want a delay because, you know, they know that there's going to be a pretty serious balance of power change very soon. The clock is ticking on this thing. And we've talked about this on the show that, you know, Oftentimes, the defense is the, the side that's requesting continuances. You know, we got to interview this or we need more time. Our client wants to stay out of custody or whatever it is. We've got to do more interviews, request more discovery, supplemental this, whatever. And the prosecution is typically like, yeah, no problem. You need more time? No problem. No problem. No problem. Because the right to a speedy trial is, you know, sort of adversarial against the government. You know, it's sort of to say, government, you can't take all the time in the world to bring criminal charges and to prosecute somebody. It's constraining the government's ability to delay. So when you give them 
more ability to de delay typically they're like oh yeah sure yeah no you need more time perfect i mean we're our trials full schedules full anyway so how much time do you need they don't you know typically uh, care too much about this in this case that has changed pretty significantly because the clock is ticking on this balance of power changes this is a process crime if it's no longer a process crime if they're no longer in violation of the law you know, you may see the committee disband. You may see, you may see those subpoenas get quashed, and what the DOJ does as a consequence of that, we'll see. And but you know, again, the balance of power might change even more dramatically, where there's you know a presidential change here in the next couple of years, and meaning that there may be a whole swath of pardons that come down or something like that. If the president <laughs> happens to be Trump and he's angry with some of these political prosecutions. So we don't know, you know, a lot of this is sort of outside the regular criminal prosecutorial framework. You're typically in regular criminal cases, not talking about presidential pardons and things like that. But here we are. Judge Maida says that now tentatively, I want to schedule the trial for November 17th, one of the only dates available on my calendar. He also says he's really slammed on his schedule. He says September Oath Keepers trial is going to last five weeks or more alone. Oh my goodness, we've got that coming up. For now, says we're looking at September 23rd for the next hearing, and I'm really trying to thread the needle here. And so the judge is looking at, you know, his calendar, basically. It's sort of like, I'm sure you have calendars where you've got these big events. I don't know, you know, is there like an analog? I'm sure there is, right? You've got these projects that you're working on for multiple weeks at a time, and then you just stop and shift. So it's sort of different with the court, right? Because you've got Two weeks of like this trial and that's it. You're not really doing anything else. Some some courts will, you know, sort of open up their afternoon dockets and things, but typically it's it, right? You're just trial, trial, that's it for three weeks. And so then you really can't do anything else. And so some, you'll then schedule a couple, maybe a week where you're sort of uh, wrapping up or processing through a lot of the outstanding issues on your other caseload. And then the court, boom, got to set those aside because I've got another trial coming up. And then you got another sort of buffer zone week or two, and then another trial. And so we do that, right? When we're scheduling trials at our firm, it's like, judge, okay, let's, can we fit it here? Well, I've got vacation or my kids got this and I don't have kids or go on vacation. But if I did, right, that's the problem. And you have those conversations. Okay, let's squeeze it in here. Let's move this one and move this one. And sometimes we've got cases, we've got courts in our, in our court. In our law firm, we've got, you know, seven, eight trials scheduled. And the judge is like, all right, we're going to do this one on this week and what this one on this week and this one on this week and this one on this week. It's like seven weeks of trials out. And then something happens. Oh, COVID, whatever. Okay. Those all get pushed out seven months. I mean, it really is a really sort of complicated part of the practice of law is getting everybody's calendars in sync because the prosecutors also have the same thing, right? They're also, they've got their schedules and their trials that are different than ours that are different than the judges in the courtroom. So it really is one of those things. It's like, ugh, wouldn't it be simpler if there was an easier way? If only there was. Okay, so that came over from Sarah Lynch, and we know that that's basically what we've got here. They they laid out some dates. These hearings are typically not too substantive. It's not guilty. Setting dates, making sure that you know everybody knows who's working on the case. We now know who the attorneys are. The prosecutors will start disclosing stuff over there. They're like, oh, dang it, he got lawyers. Oh, which is very, very good news. This is what they said afterwards. The judge, remember, they wanted to postpone this so that Mr. Navarro can get out there and uh, communicate about his book. And a lot of people out here on Twitter are dunking on him for this. And it really irritates me when they do this. 
you know, these are the same people. Look, he's got a Ukraine flag on here. And <laughs> it's the same people that'll be like, you know, you know, this person is like a, you know, like a bartender or waitress or something. You know, I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I used to do catering in college. And it's, you know, and they, and they say like, this is, a, this this person has a, you know, a lot of difficulties and trials and tribulations and a lot of plight going out there to earn a living. It's the same thing. Like Peter Navarro is out there having to earn a living. And, but a lot of people are dunking on him for the book tour. It's like, that's how he raises money. That's his work. Like, why are you dunking on him for this? You know, he still has to, <laughs> to make money and he's saying that he needs to raise money for his defense. So, you know, it's like, what else do you expect these people? Look, do they think that they, that money just grows on trees and lawyers just like fall out of the sky anytime you need them. Like lawyers are very expensive. This is a serious thing. Peter Navarro is going to spend, you know, a hundred thousand dollars at least on this, I would say in order to defend himself against bogus process crime charges that emanated from a corrupt committee that shouldn't even be in existence. It's not legally in existence. So it's, ir it's irritating that, you know, people just expect in the media, you know, you can go on a book tour and I saw it all over Twitter yesterday. And so it's very irritating. But anyways, this is a sound of what, you know, what they had to say. Of course, Navarro talks. Uh, they're very openly in front of the cameras. Here are his lawyers. And I think the audio might be a little quiet on this. So let's listen. Let me swap that audio while we're here so that we can make sure you hear it nice and clear. And here it is. What's your book about? What's your book about? Uh, Taking Back Trump's America is a book about how uh, we lost the White House in uh, 2020 and uh, how we're going to win it back in 2024. And, and hang on, the key thing about Taking Back Trump's America, on Amazon, by the way, uh, right now, is that it really is a blueprint and battle cry for taking back the House of Representatives from the Pelosiites who uh, really are the fruit of this poison tree. That's all I'm saying, Mr. Pelosiites who are the fruit of the poisonous uh, tree. Now here's his lawyer. Uh, I guess his, I guess we don't hear from his lawyer, but so he's out there now. We'll we'll check back in with his defense team as we learn a little bit more about them as this case unfolds. But obviously he's out there. He's talking about his book, and so I wanted to give it a little bit of an extra plug here. Why not? Here's Peter Navarro. He says. Please share this television spot with as many of the MAGA faithful as possible. So if you have, I don't know what that means, but if you happen to be a MAGA faithful, then, 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 you know, enjoy the book here. He says they are coming for all of us, which is true. I'm just at the head of the line with Donald. It's, that's also true by taking back America. Here's the Amazon link to support the legal defense fund. Here is Peter Navarro's TV spot. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. It's true. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. That's true. Absolutely true. And that's something I've been screaming about. I know many of you have as well, as we're watching this stinking charade of a, an illegal House committee start subpoenaing their political enemies and make prosecutions out of it, sending it over to the FBI, DOJ, and turning this entire thing into 
a circus. So Peter Navarro, we know he's got some court dates scheduled ahead. We'll see when those motions continue to come in. When we when they do, we'll, of course, cover those. We've got a lot to continue to un uncover as the Steve Bannon case escalates as well. We know trial in the Steve Bannon case is coming right around the corner. And so we'll continue to follow that one as well. I hope you join us on that journey. I would love it if you subscribed, if you're interested in these cases and anything else J6 related. We're doing a lot of coverage on that here as YouTube allows. And so we'll continue to follow that along. Also, thank you to members and supporters who drop super chats, super thanks, or become members at our locals community or on YouTube. Very, very useful and helpful. And it keeps us motivated here. So thank you very much for supporting the work that we do. And I look forward to seeing you on the next one.